0: G'day and welcome to Machinist Therapy Hotline We have reached episode 10 I can't believe it
1: Here we are with
0: I know right Um, So as per usual we've got The Dream Team, Albert Rigzinski. Hola Shane Paul Hey Tony Closer
1: (laughs) What's up dudes
0: (laughs) And me Jody Tuckwell So without further ado Let's get on with the podcast (laughs) well boys can you believe it episode 10 no we've reached we've reached a milestone in this podcast
1: what are we talking about
0: today oh people are still listening to us nah nah everyone's (laughs) everyone's, like listening to the cool kids Uh who are them I don't know. I don't know. They're not us, apparently. We're just, we're just some, yeah, you know, old bitter machinists that uh, want to grind an axe on everyone. That's us.
2: Yeah, and we say homo too much.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. That's that's a hundred percent something. <clears throat> exactly. Anyway, I think that Tony, you should kick us off this week. I know you've got a burning topic you want to. Spread your love with, so let's get into it.
2: Well, I wouldn't really call it burning, I maybe it's a little inflamed, is more like you, word you might want to use. But uh, <laughs> you guys out. have uh, <laughs> uh, you guys have all seen my post, and you guys probably know that about 90% of the shit I do in my shop is all 316L stainless. And and before I had my own shop, actually, my own shop was created. Kind of a spinoff from the shop that I worked at before in 2000. So I've been doing 316L for a long time. And I've had the pleasure of doing a lot of testing with different types of carbide drills, styles, brands, this, that, and the other. And uh, it was kind of neat to document and see how things lived and and, and who outlasted who. And uh, so backing up to like one of the shops I worked at before where we were doing some testing. We uh, were making the same part over and over and over, so we had you know speeds and feeds and cycle time. None of that changed. We plugged in a drill that somebody said the sales guy said this is going to work great, and we would test it. And I wouldn't even change anything. I said these are the parameters that I'm running it at. Is your drill going to live? And He goes, Oh sure, put it in. So I have used, you know, this is this is about maybe. 15 years ago so i know a lot of things have changed on these sizes you know I'll, I'll touch on some of the new stuff i'm using here later but we did some testing with cjt Gurning, sumitomo and mitsubishi and we were drilling the same hole it was a 6.1 millimeter hole maybe an inch and three eighths deep and uh that's kind of the order that they lasted in cjt was a cheap carbide drill it was tin coated back then and uh it would drill some holes but the corners would go away Göring's pretty ready, ready available in a lot of places, and some people like them, some people don't. But um, the next two top dogs were Sumitomo and Mitsubishi, and all, all the testing I did, Mitsubishi outlasted them all. Now, the parts I was making for the company down in Richmond, they were just using Sumitomo only, and Sumitomo was a, was a really good drill. But at that point, they had a sharp cutting edge on them, and they would wear when I first got a Mitsubishi, it was the MZE style, and the VP15TF was great. So I looked at it under a microscope, and it had like a, a, a double cutting edge. So it had clearance, but the, the leading edge looked almost negative. It, was, it looked like it was dull, and like you really wouldn't be able to cut too hard with it. But I plugged it in at the same speeds and speeds and ran it where we were, and it, it doubled The sumitomo and so i was i was sold on that so when i started my own shop uh, that's that's all i used was the mitsubishi mze and i actually got quotes on after i did eventually warm out i would get them reground and recoat quote coated and uh, we just started cycle so as i was wearing out old ones and had new ones coming in and the regrinds would come back and I could probably send them out two to three times. And uh, when they reground them and then recoded them and sent them back to me, uh, it was pretty, pretty amazing because you really couldn't tell except for they were a little shorter, but I mean, they looked like brand new out of the box. And, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of touch on even in that area when I was doing that type of stuff, we were not spotting. I mean, it was, like I said, it was 6.1, we were only going an inch and three eighths deep. But it was just, you know, short and stubby. And uh, it worked out pretty well not spotting. But there are instances, you know, when you do need to spot. And this is where I'm going with my screw machines. I've I've been handed down some information from a guy that I started doing the parts for years ago. And uh, it's once again 316L. And um, it's uh, 12 times D, so it's a 140 or 964 drill. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're drilling an inch and three eighths deep. But his formula and what he handed over to me and what it was working for him was he was spotting
3: <coughs>
2: with a 150 degree spot drill carbide. It used to be Hanita uh, back then, but they got they got bought out by Whittier, so it's kind of a combo deal there. And we were only spotting at 15 thou. So that's a 150 spotter and then comes along the 140 degree 12 times diameter drill. Now we're running these suckers. It, the drill itself, we first started out with an OSG and it did really well. But I'll back up to that story later. We had to switch to a Titex and Titex did very well also. We're running them at 3600 RPM, feeding at three and a half, no peck, just a straight shot. Now we're doing this because we have high pressure coolant about two thousand p s i coming through that thing with some Hank's oil so I've had you know a lot of drills last quite a long time, but I always documented every drill that I put in, so I knew you know when I could load up thirty bars and go home or run over the weekend, I knew when one was getting close and needed to be changed because the last thing you want to do is come into the shop and see a thousand parts with no holes in them. it that kind of sucks so <laughs> All that documentation, I had one drill that was in there for quite a while, and it drilled 40,545 holes, inch and three-eighths deep. Now, that's that's 55,749 inches, which breaks down to 4,646 feet, just under a mile, because a mile is 5,280, so... That's a lot of fucking stainless. And I think what makes them last as long as they do is one spotting with the 150, but engaging and not pecking because pecking, and I learned this a long time ago, the first job shop I worked at, I had the, the maybe, maybe this is true, maybe it's myth. You guys might be able to help me out on this. But the guy told me, he's saw any chance that you can shorten how many times you're going to peck, your tool is going to last longer because every time you peck, on stainless, you withdraw and you come back. It's like, it's the, I don't know whether it's the shock factor, wear factor, or whatever you want to say it is. But he told me and to break it down in simpler terms. It's like drilling a new hole every time that you pack. You guys heard that? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I think engaging with high pressure coolant and not packing and, and then having the evacuation of the chips come out um, definitely makes them live longer. uh, I mean, I was amazed. You
1: pretty much, you pretty much got like the ideal setup there. I mean, that's like what every applications guy would tell you. You need is like high pressure coolant, a carbide drill, and don't pack. Mm. Like in stainless, exactly.
0: Yeah, I agree. So even with, um, you know, so sorry. So what drill was that that lasted like a mile of drilling or whatever it was? Uh,
2: Tytex Walter. It used to be Tytex only, but Walter bought them out.
0: Titec's always made the fucking badass drills, eh? They were the shit.
3: Yeah, we do some parts, and uh, I think it's a twenty times uh, D, and it's a two millimeter. And they actually make some uh, like pilot drills, and yes. so the, it, it's real stubby. And there's only like I think there's about like three eighths of flute, but it's a hundred and fifty degree uh, head. And then uh, we'll drill with that and then what we do with the Titex is we'll only spin it like two hundred RPM. And and then we'll drop it into the hole. So it's like, you know, kind of supported. And then we'll we'll kick it. We'll kick the RPM up and then we'll turn the coolant on and then we'll start start feeding down. And uh, exactly. Yeah, they come out beautiful. And I mean that was, you know, that was what the apps guy told us when when we told them, you know we need a two millimeter hole like 20 times E. right and uh right, right. It, it works really well and and those drills we actually we we send ours back to Titex as well for resharpening and those ones um i know now just to throw them in the scrap thing but they they send them back and they have a a whole sticker on it that explains to you that it's not economical to resharpen this drill oh really it's it's just cheap. It's It just costs just as much to just buy one. Yeah. Well, I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's I mean, kind I of what I was that.
1: wondering about. Well, the price that I
3: was
2: getting like per, like, say, a 6.1 millimeter drill brand new and then
3: getting a regrind and recoded was half that price. Mm. Yeah, but it's a much smaller drill, though, too. And I think if they're, yeah, that's you know, true. I, I don't know how they regrind it. If they put it in there and they have to, like, probe the web or something or what they do. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to set it, set it somehow, you know? Yeah, but, that's true. I mean, yeah, re- we, well, we, we, stuff, we be. resharpen the bigger ones. I think right, it's yeah. above, like above three sixteenths or something. They'll, they'll resharpen.
2: That's understandable. Well, you know, like I was going to say, I would, uh, my last, uh, um, sentence here about the, the drill we started out with, I mentioned that it was, um, the first one we started using was uh OSG and uh it was the 5268 series, and those things were badass. I mean, they would do 40,000, you never even had to look at it. But you guys remember way back when in Japan they had that tsunami and it and it wiped out that nuke plant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they had to, I mean, a lot of this shit got thrown to the wayside, and then the place that that's where they were being made was in Japan. And they couldn't produce them anymore there for quite a while, so they farmed them out somewhere else to have them made. So me, myself here, and then the guy I'm making these parts for down in Oakland both ordered another batch of drills. And he had his guy, his lead guy, set up the machine, and uh, he ran it, and he made like 13 parts, and the drill broke off. So he went back to the cabinet and grabbed another one from his old stash and put it back in and was doing fine. And so he called me up and asked me if I had any issues with the new drills. And I said, well, I put one in and made 17. So he went back and got the blank and he got the lot number off it. And then I gave him a lot number off of mine. And they were from the same lot. And uh, sure as shit, they—you know we thought maybe something was going on. He thought his lead guy just did something wrong and broke it. And I'm like, no, I loaded this myself and it only ran 17 parts here. And with some investigating, and people found out they had farmed them out. I don't know to where or who did them, but they weren't putting mm. the same grind on them and doing the same things. how they were being manufactured in Japan, and they were not lasting. And that's how we made the change to Tytex. Okay. Other than that, we'd still be using the OSG.
3: Wow. Was their plant, like, near Fukushima or something? Was it what you cut out there for a minute? Was it near Fukushima? Like, is that why they... they couldn't make them there anymore
2: it must have been i'm not sure exactly where but i mean it was not where they could manufacture anymore
1: hmm
3: yeah i don't know what's your main brand you use at your place shane uh we use pretty much all tytex um there's a a couple i think it's a an ma ford drill that Mm -hmm. uh it's like a three flute that we use in aluminum um Hmm. But, yeah, pretty much all Titex. I was doing a – I did about 50 parts the last day and a half, and it's a uh, – <clears throat> they're 15.5, and it's a 12 times uh, – I think it's fourths, like 172. Mm. And, yeah. um, I mean, it, it did – but I was spotting it with a, a 150 um, carbide spotting drill. And uh, it it did all the parts, all fifty of them, and I pulled it out to put it away, and it looked brand new still.
0: Cool.
1: Well, that's all I got on drilling, boys. I'd say that was a pretty good, when, pretty good coverage of of drills. Uh, <laughs> I don't well, think it I mean, would doing just... anything. <laughs>
0: No, well, you've just basically said, oh, uh, you've got it. You had a drill that could drill for a mile. I mean, this is, that's pretty good. Like These people should be paying you to say this. It's amazing. <laughs> In stainless steel. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> so, yeah, so just I going back amazed. to so you, when you, so you were spotting and then, and then drilling, or did you, did, like on a 12 times diameter, you wouldn't do a small pilot first before you start, or you? what were you doing?
2: Well, you could do. I mean, I, like Shane was saying, I've used a uh, Micron makes a nice pilot, and they recommend yeah. like if you're gonna do a one point two millimeter drill, then you buy the spotter that's just a gnat's ass smaller than that, so it engages and follows the hole. But yeah, no, I was using a, a one fifty degree spotter. I was only going in fifteen foul, and then I was coming at it with the twelve times D drill and. And it's funny that you say that because I had a few comments on Instagram. I don't know how, I can't remember who the people were, but one of the other people on Instagram, he, this guy actually sold tools, I think. He's like, why are you spotting a 12 times D drill, blah, 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 blah? It's a waste of time. I'm like, okay, well, one, it's on a lathe. And two, I, I just parted it off and faced it. So I'm. So anyway, some idiot told me, why are you spotting? For a fucking 12 times diameter drill in a lathe, you don't need to. I sell drills to do that all day long. I'm like, wow. that's what they all say. They all that like, is,
0: yeah, that's bullshit. I'm like,
2: man. yeah, we just cut this part off, faced it, took it to the other side. I'm gonna hit it with a 12 times diameter drill. I, I don't think so. And so somebody else piped up and said, "Gee, you must sell a lot of drills."
0: Yeah, <laughs> <that> he does. <laughs> <laughs> what,
2: what,
1: would you guys have big enough balls to try and do a 12 times D without a spot?
0: No. no. Me neither.
1: I would I would probably do a pre-drill. I've always yeah. had good luck with when you're doing like deep hole drilling like you were describing. Yeah. You could like you could spot and do a pre-drill or you could just run a pre-drill like and then take your your long drill and go into the hole really slow like, you know, 200 RPM or whatever I think Shane was saying. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then once you get to like right above the material in the hole, then you ramp up to the spindle speed you need. And it, it definitely helps stabilize it. We do some deep hole drilling and some 17.4 um, heat treated stuff. And we, we run it the same way. So it, it works. But that is the basic
0: strategy for deep hole drilling. You know, anything over 10 times D is, or anything up to, well, sorry, anything over 7 times D, in theory, they classify as a deep hole drill. You know, so when you're talking, 12, 15, 20, 30 times diameter, like, yeah, you need a pre-drill. That's that's, that's a given, isn't it? It It sounded like a plane or a train went through your house.
1: I know what I've got to do when we're on this podcast. I need to be in my white room in complete silence (laughs) with no clothes on. Why is he going to be (laughs) a
2: white room? So the sound we heard was him getting an erection.
1: (laughs) Or, or or him, him starting
3: the chainsaw. With wait, a wait, wait,
1: wait. <laughs> it sounded like
3: he was getting sucked off by a breast pump.
1: Wait, I didn't have video on. How did you know that?
2: Maybe a shop vac.
1: <laughs> All right, let's talk about
2: something else, man. What do you guys think about the No, no, no. no oh, hold me. on,
0: hold on. We were talking oh, about also mind. when you when you set up a drill, you know, in a like static or dynamic situation. Like, are you are you? You know, are you checking for run out straight off the bat? Or are you, uh, what are you doing? Oh, fuck, yeah. You, sit-
2: you, you have to. I sweep everything I have with the coax, with the static. It has to be dead nuts because it's being followed by a ball end mill for reaming. And it has to be dead nuts. Or even if I put it in a live tool and the tool is spinning and the and the material stationary, stationary, yeah, you have to check. In my opinion, you have to check
0: it for run out. Oh, I agree. I, I, really I agree. I agree. Hey but do you ream in your life?
1: <laughs> do I sound retarded? Wait, sorry, oh, I can't say that word. No! I can't no! say that word. Shades hey, fired. Bert, is, your, is your turret on center, Bert? Even if your turret's on center, it's not on center. Whoa. What? Wow, what? You get that, man? I
2: mean, what do you why, mean? Like,
1: like, you can be on center, but I still would never ream in a lathe. Why, Why man? Why I do, do it all, every day all, all day, all day. Yeah, I don't get it. Maybe, maybe with a live holder, but I don't ream anything on center in a lathe.
2: What if you had to make a ball in mill join in a spherical corner? You know, you got one coming down from X and one centerline center line Z. You're not going to bore that.
1: Uh, wait, what?
2: <laughs> never
1: mind. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs>
0: No, reaming, reaming is stupid. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. That's the thing. I don't understand. It's, 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 it's good that we've got like quite uh, opposing views on reaming in a lathe, but I, I, don't, I don't understand oh, okay. why you would be so against reaming in a lathe. I just don't yeah, understand Bert, that. How would you get
2: a hole-on center? Say if you needed a 250 hole-on center with a 5RA finish, you know, a couple inches deep, are you going to try and bore that? And stainless?
1: Um, I guess I would quote the job really high and hope that I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and if I did, I would worry about it later. <laughs> no, you know, you know, instead of instead of reaming, there's a um, it's like a burnishing tool. I uh, can't think of who makes it. Cog makes it. but they don't make they
2: don't
0: they don't make bad. a ball in mill. <laughs> but you can't be spherical at the bottom do you understand uh, what tony's saying albert
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, feel like I, this... I get it i just i i've tried reaming on center in the lathe before and i've never had good luck with it so i just never do it what 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 hasn't worked yeah uh getting the correct hole size
2: that's because your shit's not online
3: yeah
1: okay i i was always taught to never to never ream in a lathe on center at least i've like i've reamed with like live holders and stuff
0: wow okay
3: it's one of those things like i don't like doing it but i don't like reaming in general if i can avoid it just because it's one of those things where you you get really one shot at it either it works or it doesn't
1: it's gotta be really
3: sucks when when you put like a lot of time into a part and then you go to ream it and there's like one of the edges is built up and it just drags through there and it looks like shit.
0: Like, okay. I think, I think we're at the bottom of it now. You're like, I reckon really what we're talking about is, you know, I think Tony would set up a reamer because he's probably going to be making like a decent production run of parts I would set up a reamer because we're making a decent production run of parts. But if you're only making one or two parts, you're saying, "What's the point?"
3: No, I mean sometimes it, it can't be avoided, but I'll always look to other options. Hmm. I mean, I, I guess, guess. And, but pretty- but I mean, we, we we do do plenty of reaming because a lot of time there isn't really another option, and we do have we use some. Uh, I think it's an Elliot makes it. We use some some uh, roller burnishers on a few different parts and they work great, but mm. you know, like you, I mean, it, hang. you know, the, there's the rollers on there. And then there's probably another, the cage is another, you know, 60, thousandths in front of that. And then sometimes the stinger, depending on uh, where you are in the range of what that one's built for, then the stinger sticks out another 60, 70 thousands from that. Mm. So you really have to be kind of a through hole or something with some clearance in the bottom to do it yeah
2: i guess i get i see
3: I, I see where you guys are coming from
2: because i mean i've been doing this shit since 2000 so i kind of just have adapted that you know things have to be fucking perfect and then every time i remove a block or put a block on and that's why i buy you know rego fixed collets and i buy expensive collet holders and all that shit because there can't be any room for air and that's like yeah. if somebody bump, bumps one of my Machines. I said, yeah, the biggest thing you can do for me is to come tell me that you made a mistake so we can yep. get this shit fixed and get it back on the line because it's all going to come out in the wash. If you don't tell me, and like you guys yep. said, and all of a sudden reamers are cutting oversized, and things are not going well, then we're not going to be getting anywhere. But, I mean, it became a way of life for me, and you have to have, I mean, in my opinion, if you're going to be reaming for high RA finishes, you need to have an oil. If you're doing stainless, if you're doing something other than that, you probably get away with water soluble but I've just adapted to it and like Bert says I dream with live tools too which sometimes works good I have some bow bodies that I can only get a good finish when I have the finished ball in mill in a live tool and on the bigger ones I can get away with them in the static and it's just it's, it's really weird how it varies but you know I mean everything's got to be within tents when you're doing that and that's just kind of became the way that I did things
1: Mm. it depends on the application like i feel like you guys were more talking about for turning but like as far as milling goes like there's these production parts that we make and we ream two holes in them and it's like a five tenths total tolerance on it so like you know we do the same thing you have to buy like good rego fix collets and you have to i guess indicate the reamer and make sure that there's zero run out in it and even still you if you sneeze at it the wrong way it still might cut oversize
2: true yeah
1: so yeah i mean we do we do ream stuff but like i try to avoid doing it in the lathe because if you're if your thing is well actually tony you've got like y-axis on most of your machines don't you one of them okay so like can you cut if you're if you're turret alignment is off center in like the Y plane. Can you compensate for that by making an adjustment? Yes, you can. Okay. Yeah. See if you don't have Y axis though, you're kinda SOL and then you gotta pull apart the turret and get it all dialed back in. So
2: Yeah, well I mean having the turret online is key, but then you put each in whether it's a static holder or a live tool holder on there then they have their adjustment screws on them. Yeah. Also. Yeah, yeah, you can, so you can there's bring it this quite, them in a, bit, there's dead quite nuts. a bit of adjustment there, right? Yep. Fuck yeah, it's a full time job. Yeah. A lot
1: of it depends on the style of holder too, though, because some holders, uh, like a BMT holder, I think that you've got a different range of adjustability than you would with like a VDI holder, right? Yeah. Yes, you are correct. Because yeah. you can you can shift a BMT tool holder and maintain it to be parallel with the spindle but you can shift it up or down like a little bit. Like if you put like a offset keyway in or if you shim the keyway, right?
2: Well, is your, on your Akuma, are you VDI in the, in the face? I'm um, VDI,
1: yeah, VDI. Yeah. VDI, VDI um, periphery, mount, not face mount.
2: Yeah. So same with me. So when you drop it in and you lock it, then you have that little dowel pin and two screws, two, three millimeter miller screws on both sides to rock it in and get it lined up. Yeah. yeah
1: but that, that's just getting it parallel with the spindle. So if you're, so I don't have y-axis on that machine, but if you're no. like, if your curvic coupling on the turret is not perfectly dialed in, and you're slightly above or slightly below center line by even a thou, like you'll have issues.
2: Yeah, that could be. You see
1: what I'm saying? You can compensate if you've got y-axis, but if you don't have y-axis. You're pulling apart the curved coupling to realign it. It's just like a royal pain in the dick, way worse than like just aligning the turret from like bumping the machine. Yeah, I only
2: have the one Y axis, but I've never used comp on it. Period. So, yeah, I I, you can, but I've never even done that. So, I mean, I've got the three LTS and then the other two two two-axis lays. But you, even when I ream on the old Cadet, I mean, you have to sweep in the. The block. And they actually, yep. you can break that little pin loose and rotate it because it's on a cam. So if you pull your VDI tool off and put it back on, that little pin will rotate and it's lopsided like a lobe. So to give you yeah. more. Uh, yeah, exactly. I know Jody knows because he's been around the whole freaking shop with these Akumas. But yeah, there's certain things you can do to make life a little bit easier. But like I said, I mean, I agree with all of you. If you're going to do reaming on a lathe, shit's got to be perfect got to be
0: yep. bang on.
3: Absolutely. Bang nuts. on. Bang, bang on, on. <clears throat> Okay. So ba- back to something else you said, Tony, that I want to bring up is someone on Instagram. So I'm assuming you posted a picture of a video of it drilling, you know, 12 times D and that you were spotting. And then this guy comes on and immediately he knows more about your setup and your process and your part. He knows more than you do about it. And that's something, do you guys deal with that a lot on there? Because I get that all the time. On the gram? Yeah. Yeah, you know what it is, is I think, well, here's,
2: here's two ways to look at it. If it was a fellow machinist and, and you were asking me, why, hey, Tony, why are you spotting that? Because they really want to know. Or if it's a guy that's selling tools and saying, hey, why are you spotting that? It's a waste of time. I have drills you can buy. You don't need to do that that was the other side of the coin so this was a guy trying to tell me that the stuff that he sells he i don't need to spot it and i didn't even answer i let the rest of the let the rest of the people answer for me on that Mm. one and just kind of took a back seat Mm. yeah
0: do you get you? so you obviously get quite a bit of that shane with like not not the salesman bit but i'm assuming you mean just general people that it feels like they are just saying things just for the sake of saying it. Yeah, and and it's not even, you know, like,
3: questioning or something. Like, hey, man, like, I'm just curious why you're doing that. It's always like, oh, you could have done this or you could have done that. It's like a, I, I put a picture up of a uh, a part that we did, and, and I chamfered into the corner as far as I could, and then I went ahead and, and filed it to match it all the way into the corner. Oh, yeah. And all, all these people were like, Oh, I would have, I would have chamfered in further. And it's like, well, it was a big fucking part and I'm using like a half inch tool because I had some other parts or some other chamfers on the part that were pretty big. And so I went as close as I could, you know, it was like 20 thou away from the wall and yeah it, it's just everybody know they they know everything about what you're doing they know more about what you're yeah. doing than you do you know yeah you, you know
2: what you know what really sucked about that shane was you weren't even trying what you were trying to show was that here's a guy that can finish this and blend it and make it look tics-worthy. yeah where you know what these people in my opinion that are talking like that and some of them are smarter than me because i'm just an old fucking grandpa but these are like little CAD CAM babies that sit there and say we can run it right up to the edge and let's let the machine do it and blah 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 blah. Well, you know what? In your cycle time, break out your fucking file and finish that chamfer and shut the fuck up.
3: <laughs> yeah, it took like twenty <laughs> seconds. Exactly. That was what I kind of said, you know.
2: Like, uh, I'm I gotta say, as, you made a really a good job I could. of it as well. Thank yeah, you. it looked beautiful.
1: I thought yeah. it looked good, but I feel like I don't think it necessarily is like those fucking cad cam babies because i kind of consider myself a, a cad cam guy but like but you know i just feel like there's always those people who have to put in their fucking two cents about something and they would have done it better or they would have done it differently and it's like dude like i'm trying to share something with you like you know either how's that go it's like if your mom has uh if you if you don't have anything nice to say, like, don't say nothing, no, anything at exactly. all. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, no, so one, shut one, the
3: fuck you, up. One, you know, one guy was like, uh, he started out and the first thing he said, he goes, first of all, the deburring department is inside the machine. And it's like, oh, oh okay, guy. Well, and then, and then he said a, a part like that would need to be quoted uh, to be done in a five axis if that chamfer was required all the way into the corner. And it's like, OK, so now you're going to run this three axis part on the most expensive machine in the shop. OK, you know, like it was just hold, hold on
2: right there. Just back up a little bit, because you know what? Before that cad can baby was born 20 years ago, there was no fucking five axis mills. Right. Yeah. So there you go, man. And newer we go and more people say, let's
1: do it on the cad can. Rotate
2: this, rotate this. That. Look at it. Oh, my God, it's beautiful. But backing up to Burke, you do a lot of really cool, tricky shit, and I know you are good at CAD CAM. So I'm not dissing you at all, and calling you a CAD CAM baby. No, I'm just saying no, there's a no, lot. I, of... that. I know that. Okay, okay. I I'm know, just didn't want you just... to think that.
1: No, 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 no. I know that you, you and I, like our workflows are probably a little bit different. But um, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like it's how you approach the subject. Like if you've got something to contribute to a post or a comment or something, like. Don't come out like guns blazing and you won't make fucking enemies with people.
2: Yeah, exactly. You remember that one time I pulled all the vices off my Hawes and I had all that fucking goop under there from like five years? And that one dude went off. Oh my god, this is insane. You know what? We'd get fired from that. If we were this is our shop, I know that Hawes has a hose on it. Why don't you wash it down every night? Blah 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 blah. I said dude, I just pulled the vices off because I'm gonna clean it. And then that's all I said. And then other people went off on him, and they go like, yeah, your job is so – Oh, he said, I have, like, three jobs, and I have to go home and feed the baby and change diapers and do all this shit. And this one guy piped <laughs> up and said, yeah, and you probably had to walk to work and snow both ways and this, that, and the other. And I was just like, holy fuck. It was – I was sharing with you how dirty my meal was, and it was getting clean. Don't try and fucking tell me that
0: I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. But guess what? If we put ourselves on there, that's what – you like – you know, it's not all roses. Like, there are, a bit, there are always going to be people out there that just just want to hate. They can't help it. It's like a, they're having a bad day or they're having a bad life, and they're going, I want to make everyone else's life as shit as mine. And people do well, that. That's, that's reality. Well, how can you hate TC or in the mirror? Come on, man. <laughs> oh, man, you should see the hate I get when I post that <laughs> one of my guys has fucked another tool into oblivion. It's like, <laughs>
1: oh, my God,
0: man. Oh, wait, you. That was, yeah, that I was can't crazy. believe you're showing this shit. I'm like, well, guess what, man? Shit does happen. Like, I'm not perfect. And, like, yeah, we've, got, we've got 30 laves running, like, 24-7. <laughs> of course things are going to fucking break your dildo.
3: I did like when you posted the picture of the bent drill. And then that fucking guy on LinkedIn, like, used it oh, to try and yeah. promote his programming service. He what did. A it, was douche.
0: A, it was a cad-cam baby.
3: Yeah, well, it was a cad-cam baby. <laughs>
0: He was like, this is what not to do on your fucking, on your, like, when you're drilling. And, and uh, was it, did you, did you pass it to me, Shane, or it was, no, no, it was um the guy from, uh, what's he called? The guy from the UK, uh, Bernard, oh, Bernard Holmes? Going. Yeah, yeah, and he's got the crazy <laughs> wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whoa. Well, she's That's cool. That's a whole but, different like, they're, topic. They're both. They're both crazy and funny but um but anyway he, he sent that to me and uh and i was like what the fuck is this so i went looked on the linkedin post that this cad cam baby had gone oh well, <laughs> look this is what's gonna happen man like if you uh if you want things done right then you should use me because otherwise this wouldn't happen i'm like yeah. <laughs> actually mate do you know what happened uh because of the amount of uh swarf that. Had built up through into a seal, which shouldn't have happened, had then allowed, uh, sorry, disallowed the collet to close correctly, which then meant the bar was slowly working its way out. So when the next part come round, the the drill just went boom. And it wasn't until we re- investigated, it went, oh, my God, we've got a worn seal, and that's why the collet's fucking built up with swarf. And it's like nothing, like, you could, you could try and cad can the shit out of that if you want, but you're still going to be sending your <laughs> nappy. <laughs> I
3: think we I just did need like a new hack. I did like how you, you explained in your response you explained what had actually happened to him. Yeah. And then you said, Yeah, so you could create a a tool path and then you like in parentheses, it said uh like highly inefficient most likely. <laughs> but this would still happen and that was that was pretty funny. I thought you handled it well. Well, es- sometimes especially I, do, sometimes he d- I he don't he didn't <laughs> he didn't respond to it, so that means
0: you know, he didn't know what to say. You put
1: him yeah. in his
3: place. So,
0: well, that's just how I roll. Bloody CAD CAM baby, that's a new saying now.
3: <laughs> we'll have to put it on a sticker or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, or a
3: or a coin or something like that. Hey, we'll we'll pit people against each other. So we'll make like uh, stickers for the CAD CAM babies, and then yep. stickers for like <laughs> manual guys or you know, grandpas like Tony. <laughs> <laughs> or you
0: we could have we could have a a barbecue vest that says i this steak is cooked by catcam baby
2: <laughs> with my I think with you my, should, with my have, digital
0: meat
3: thermometer <laughs> you should have buttons.
1: so like when what? you reach like a new when you have a when you reach like a new level of uh either skill or retardation you get like a button and you can put it on your barbecue vest you know it's like cad cam baby certification completed and you get that like a boy scout would right oh that <laughs> so is you
0: that is genius
1: <laughs> that is, is absolutely status genius, status
0: genius. yeah merit word. badges were you yeah, actually exactly. in boy scouts were you
1: actually in boy scouts Bert? no was, well yeah something like that it was it was called indian guides <laughs> oh, okay. what? I don't even know if that's politically correct anymore. Is that real? Were you,
2: were yeah. you, ever, ever, were you ever violated? Oh, God. Tony. <laughs> oh, uh, Actually, I am still to... talking about you. Yeah, right, I got... <laughs> <laughs> did, did you get the... Some Did somebody give you the uh-oh feeling? <laughs> no. Oh,
0: you're so stupid. I Look I at you, getting dri-
2: all
1: giggly. He's getting <laughs> giggly. <laughs>
0: Is <laughs> like while I was in uh, Indian cadets, I got uh, first of all I had a pilot finger, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and we then know they what went Bert
2: was doing. and he got they drilled.
0: He passed me the peace pipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we can say that anymore. <laughs> Stop the podcast. Remember, if you want to get involved in the Machinist Therapy Hotline, then why not send us a direct message in our Instagram account and we will get back to you, whether it be a question or maybe you want to be on the show, or maybe you want to recommend who should be on the show. So either way, get involved. Cool. Let's get on with the podcast. Let's move on to the next topic, shall we? So... I know we were going to talk about this uh, two podcasts ago about scrap metal prices and what's happening. Oh, my God. So, yeah. uh, why don't we, I mean, it's going to be interesting because, well, I'm in a completely different boat to you guys. So, let's, why don't you tell me about what's, what's, what's the deal between, you know, what's been happening now since you know, like two years ago or whatever. In terms well, of pricing, I, think I mean, me and, sorry. In terms of pricing. I think me and Shane
2: are probably in the same boat. Albert might be in a different one, so I'll mm-hmm. let, you know, maybe we should let Albert go first. What do you do with your chips, Albert?
1: Uh, We have people pick them up. I mean, the scrap guys will come and pick them up, usually at least once a week, sometimes more.
2: So have, just a, have your prices varied, varied? I varied mean, much?
1: it's we're, we're getting like jack shit for it, and the Scrap guys are telling us that they're slow. So, like, they're not even so what, making... So, what,
0: what, what were you getting? What, was, what is the prices? Let's just, you know, let's oh, talk shoot. real. I
1: don't, I, offhand, I
0: don't know. I'd have to check. Um, but, I mean, would you say it was guess, like, like I, a, a 20% decrease or a 50% decrease in what you were getting previous, previously?
1: <clears throat> I would say probably around 20 to
0: 30%. Okay, mm. so that's quite significant. But, I yeah. mean,
1: is that was that, is that 20% yes, always, less than what,
0: like, the 10-year average might have
1: been? I, I guess, like, I've always looked at the scrap thing a little bit differently. Like, it's, they come pick it up, and they give me money to pick it up. So, like, I basically don't have to do anything, and I get paid for something that I would otherwise have to throw out or to go dispose of myself. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. it sucks. The prices are low but like it's definitely a convenience thing um, just to be able to have somebody come pick that up and exchange some drums or totes or whatever for you so
2: that's true that's that's one that's way to look at it for, it's gonna for sure
1: it's going to fluctuate always like you know any commodity price will like gas or whatever too like if gas prices go up to $5 a gallon are you going to not buy gas to get to work like you need to do it but what yeah, if but,
0: uh, what if though you know, these guys, they're coming to pick it up and they're lowballing you and they go, oh, but I'm paying you, I'm going to take it away. Whereas, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what your local prices might be, but, you know, for example, you know, if they were only giving you, let's say, 10 cents in the dollar for whatever it's going to be, but yet if you literally phoned up a transport company and still had the same thing and they just came and picked your shit up but delivered it to a scrap dealer that might give you, 80 cents in the dollar that's got to be that's way better isn't
1: it yeah absolutely i mean still it kind of comes down to how much time do you have to dick, dick around with it like i think my time is better spent trying to make money than it is to yeah. pitch the money that i've already spent well yeah, you know I'll there's, see, there's yeah. a, a good way I, another it. way
2: of one of those another way to look at it too i mean I know even when I was working for somebody else's job shop, then it got a big run, whether it was copper or whether it was aluminum. They were quoting that job to be competitive. And I know there's people out there that's mentioned this on Instagram. They were quoting it to be so competitive that the only money they were going to make was what they recouped in all the chips. And that's how close they were quoting it to get the <laughs> that's job. crazy. And Jesus. Man. It is crazy. It is crazy, but I mean that's where when you get competing with a lot of other shops going on out there, you gotta do what you gotta do. But I do mostly, like I said, stainless. And if I keep my 316 L stainless separated from any 303 or 304, I get paid a little bit more per pound for it versus all stainless mixed. I mean that's a deal that I've had made for years. But you know, there was a time where I was getting 80 to 90 cents a pound and it's like freaking 45 right now. And the same way with aluminum, I don't I can't remember my last batch I turned in was a couple of months ago. And I had to get rid of it because I had no place to keep it. And it was down around a quarter. And I know when I was talking to Yeti man, he's got a ton of aluminum. And he luckily and one of his best friends, they're burying that shit in his mom's backyard because they were not gonna turn it in at this cheap of a price. And they were gonna save it for later when it came back up again.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> Chuck. You uh Tony, do you ever have like a customer? ask for the scrap value back basically so um whatever chips that you machine you would have to pay back to the customer since they technically paid for the material not at my shop but at the other job shops i worked at yes they have done that i quoted something for somebody once for like another machine shop and they asked me about that and i was like absolutely dumbfounded that somebody would even ask (laughs) you that
2: I know it's amazing, but that's where you get into what I was talking about. People yep. quoting jobs so closely that the only money they're going to actually make, you know, is off of what they're going to recoup. It's insane. But when times are tight, yeah. they're tight.
1: Yeah, it's that's that's like way too tight. I think. Yeah,
2: you might as well just fuck it, go wakeboarding, and forget about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: So we're we're in a we're in a different different boat because we are buying raw materials in so we're buying scrap to, to process through the foundry right so we so we're not we're not going to a scrap dealer and going hey here's all our swarf like we keep all of our own swarf all of our own solids and then we're reprocessing that back through the foundry like a big recycling plant almost
1: kind of figured and, you guys did
0: that yeah but um but of course the pricing locally is can be significantly different to what we do globally. So we we also uh, import in containers and containers of, like, you know, old radiators or gun shell casings or whatever it is from all around the world, and that turns up on site. So, you know, pricing-wise, we try to get the best deal because the local guys for, you know, like brass and copper and zinc and whatever, you know, they charge... like like a lot um whereas you could go to you know we can get uh stuff from say india um that's actually pretty good quality but pretty cheap as well and uh yeah we get a hundred ton of scrap metal a week gets delivered
2: Wow. You know, that here in the States, at least what I've been told and from Sims Metal Management in Richmond, and I don't know if Boomer uses them very much or not, but they tell me their prices are based on, because, I mean, I've been to their lot several times, and they just take all the shit, and there's a ship right off the edge, and they throw it in a fucking container and take it to China. And if China's not buying our shit, then prices is way down. And we all know what's going on with China and us right now. But if they're not mm. taking our scra- – I mean, they're importing our scraps, like what you're saying, Jody. All the stainless, all the aluminum, it all goes over there. They melt it down. They make their shit. And, and it's all based off of what they're doing is how we get paid scrap rate is what I'm told.
0: Yeah. Um, so with that, you, you mentioned China and what's going on with you guys. I mean – There's a lot of people talking about a potential global recession coming like for 2020, if not sooner. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I guess a lot of it has to do with Trump gets reelected, you know, and I understand what he's trying to do with the tariffs and all that shit. But from what I've been told by people that have been around for a long time is if he wants to get manufacturing back here, and prices back where they belong, and us buying American shit, it's going to take longer than he's going to be allowed to be in office. And so he's trying really hard and doing all this shit, in my opinion, the right way. But as soon as he gets voted out and somebody else comes along like the next Obama, then it'll be just right back to where we were. And all the shit that he's tried to do and implement is just going to go back out the window, in my opinion.
0: Hmm... Albert, what do you think?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I've i heard rumors of another recession coming, um, and I've kind of wondered the same thing myself. Um, I don't know how everybody is, but I, I think a lot of times when you talk to other people, they're, no one's going to tell you that they're slow or, or whatever. They're always going to you know, kind of try to give you a positive response. But, um, you know, we slowed up for a little bit over the summer. Um but I think that that's like also kind of normal going into an election year too. So it could just be that, like, I think a lot of people are just kind of waiting to make like larger financial decisions until after the election.
0: Hmm. I mean, there's, there's America is clearly a, a quite a governing factor for what happens around the world. You know, like when you when you know your government or your country does something, it's it seems to sort of have the butterfly effects across the rest of the globe. Um, Back-to-back
1: World War champs, baby. uh,
0: Yeah, we're we're kind uh, of uh, awesome, I guess. uh, That's not strictly true, but... um, (laughs) The awesome part? Are you saying (laughs) hate America? Oh, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop Um, the podcast!
2: (laughs) (laughs) This shit's over right now.
0: (laughs) So, so for example... um, so we supply a lot of stuff to a lot of different countries around the world. And like one in particular, like Germany, uh, they, their economy generally has been huge year on year on year. And we are definitely seeing the effects this year of them slowing down. And, and also parts of or some of the products that we ship into the States. You know, we're definitely seeing... A slowdown in certain sectors, so it does, you know, like um, uh, lifestyle stuff, like marine, you like know, boats and things. So we do a lot of uh, still a lot of products are going to uh, outboard motors, and you can see them dipping off. But yet the mining sector is going pretty
1: good, you know, like you see, you still yeah. see a lot of people spending money in that. So I think the When, like, whenever there's danger of a recession coming around, the first things to get pinched are basically all the vanity items. Of course. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned like the power boating thing or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm sure, especially like boat prices are out of control now. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you guys know anything about that, but like a new boat is not freaking cheap. And it's like, if people are at all worried about money, like that's the last thing they're going to be buying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But I don't know. I mean, from my perspective, I think that I think the world has definitely slowed down. Whether that means it's going to go to a grinding halt and we're all going to be, you know, I don't know, whipping horses or whatever. But I, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think a, a recession's coming. I just think that I think the world's just going to be much slower for the next six yeah. to eight months. Um, but I think that's also a good opportunity for people to sort of review what they're currently doing and, and maybe look in look into other industries that, you know, are doing much better. I think you know? wh-
1: I think though that too is that like the last couple of years, like certainly it seemed like once Trump got in office, uh, the economy started booming. And so like the growth we're comparing the growth now to the growth rate from then and it's like it's yeah. been explosively growing. And so now it's just kind of like, almost like leveling off is what it seems. So
2: I agree. You know what? The The two things that have always been, you know, stable is medical and aerospace. Cause there's always going to be sick people yeah. and aerospace yeah. is always booming. But you know, it's I mean, like me, I don't know about you, Albert, for, but for me to try to get into that, I don't have the money or, or the time to spend to get all that qualification. And, and all that documentation and all that shit in order to be a yep. top tier provider. I mean, I can't. I could can be a third, because third you're
1: tier. you're too busy working in your business instead of on your business. Um, exactly. Uh, the, the local uh, tooling and manufacturing association. One of the reps there. He always he coined that phrase and he used it a lot around me, and it kind of stuck with me because I find myself doing spurts of both of those because like you know ultimately you always want to be working on your business to help your business grow and do the things that it needs to do to continue to grow like going iso or going as9100 or whatever but as a smaller business tony like yourself or me you know you spend a lot of time putting out fires and just you know managing the day-to-day and trying to get Mm -hmm. by so it's, it's hard to do that it comes in waves and then you know, once you finally get a break from it, it's like you're not always thinking like, oh, shit, I need to be working on my business. I like want to go take a nap or something for a fucking hour, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And the only saving grace that we'll get is if somebody sees our, you know, word of mouth spreads or somebody sees our shit and they know that our quality and our finish and, and stuff is there. And it, maybe you'll you'll suck in as a third tier and then they'll do yep. all the paperwork and push it up the chain. But it's, it's yep. tough. And, you know, like what Jody was saying. I used to make parts for them. Um, a place down in the Roanoke Park area. I mean, they catered to billionaires with yachts. They were making bow thrusters. So when they pulled into your yacht, you could kick the bow thrusters sideways and parallel park it and all fancy and shit yeah, like so that. Yeah, so you didn't actually have to know how to drive it. Yeah. So the only time that those guys were booming is when gas prices are fucking through the roof. Where they're paying four fifty dollars a gallon for gas. So when that, when the gas is up, and everybody else is like, oh, my God, we're dying. We can't even save our money. And the millionaire billionaires are all rolling around. They're spending money because they want to upgrade their bow thrusters and all this shit. Those guys are yep. thriving. And it's
1: really weird,
2: you know, how it works. Yeah, but the rich, everything The rich are like less
1: affected by that stuff is what it seems. I mean, that seems to be like the age old argument is like, the, you know, the one percent never is affected by, you know, an economic downturn. True. I don't I don't know if that's true. Like, it's uh-huh. just what I've heard.
0: I don't know. I don't think I'll ever know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> same here. <laughs> um,
0: I'm, I'm never going to get into the 1%, I don't think. I mean, some people say, oh, you should never say never, but oh, fuck, it got to be realistic. <laughs> Too busy drinking piss while driving home. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's We just took a turn. But you know what? You might actually... Have one of your donkeys, might be able to speak, and he could be on TV, and you could be a fucking millionaire.
0: Well, what would I call him though? I can I, Obviously, it can't be Mr. Ed because that was a, that was a horse. Maybe it could be. <laughs> That's true, it was a horse. <laughs> that'd a be, horse, uh, horse. Dangerous Dudley and his antics of speaking. Yeah, that'll wow. do. Cool, huh? Very cool. I, well, I yeah. shouldn't obviously be in the cool. engineering game if I've got a talking donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like it. As long as he's not a cat cam, baby, we're good. We could get him on the podcast. Stop the podcast. Here's the talking donkey, Dudley. He'd be like, hello, Boomer. What's going on? (laughs) Why does he talk like that? I don't know. (laughs) How do you know that Dudley doesn't actually talk with like a real, like, wonderful British accent maybe, you know? I think he's a little scared, so that's why he went, Hello, Burberry. how you doing? <laughs> why are you naked? <laughs> I've heard you make some butt plugs, Bummer. How you doing? I've got a special badge for your barbecue vest. Come on <laughs> over, Robert, I'll pin you. <laughs> <laughs> but first, I'll put my massive penis in your bum hole.
2: <laughs> wow, we just went there. I knew a donkey oh. show was coming.
1: Wow, we went to Jody to take it there
0: first. Sorry. Yes,
2: yes, yes.
0: yes. I, I went back excited. to
1: there,
0: yeah. Went back to the drilling topic again. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> that was that twelve times diameter.
0: This <laughs> is. I was going to bring up actually a topic which I think is probably a bit too long, but maybe I'll maybe we'll save it for next time. Just about um, just recently going through uh, machine purchasing. So, oh, you know, talk, yeah. talking to the machine tool dealers and, and I think we should talk about this maybe on the next podcast, but just, just one true. thing I would, true, true. I would like to just talk about because um, we were talking about before on another previous podcast about uh how valuable it can be if you've got a really good applications engineer that works for your yes. tooling company, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that I think, I mean, you guys may have a totally different experience in America, but I, here in New Zealand, I feel that, you know, you can spend anywhere from 300000 up to fucking $2 million on, on a machine tool. And then, and then that could be in that calendar year. And then maybe someone's lucky like enough, and you you get to do a similar purchase like the year after. Now you think how much you spend on tooling and the support that you get for the tooling compared to when you spend that much money on a machine tool, and yet I, I don't feel like those guys are there. Like you know, it's not like they come in once a month and go, "Hey, can I can I help you with I don't know some." some parts of your, mach- like your, your controller or, or things that you might not know yet. You know what I mean? Like I just, I don't know. I feel like that's, that, that's, that, that part is lacking in that part of the industry for me, I feel.
2: It, I, ag- I agree with you. What I've noticed, whether it be, um, no, I'm not going to throw names out there, but I've got several different types of machine tools in my shop. And if you're, you know, you're booming or you're looking and things are happening, it can go really hot and cold super fast for a sales guy it's like you know if he hears that you're thinking about getting some more work and you might need another one of these he'll be there more than you want him to be there but it's like you know what if you haven't said anything and nobody's talking about you and you're just treading water and you're doing fine you're making money uh you know what they they're out beating the bushes because at the end of their day they got to sell machine tools so if you're thinking about buying machine tony that's great but if you're really going to want to put a a 10 percent down on it now then they'll show up and then they'll camp out on your fucking front porch and they won't leave and it's Mm. that's what i've experienced out here yeah
0: yeah and i i i i I tend to agree with that like to 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 a point you know but i it's just almost like okay so you spend all this money on a machine tool (coughs) it turns up you have the the five days or, or whatever it is that they provide as part of the initial training process. And then it's okay. Uh, see you next time you want to buy a machine or yeah. Hey, if you want to buy a spare part, it's going to be very, very expensive. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I feel like it should be better than that. You know, like there should could, be, they, you know, yeah. they could do because at the end of the day, their best selling, like, sorry, their best salesmen are us. So if, you know, if we have a really good experience with these guys and and let's say you had one one standout Mm. guy that would turn up, you know, and go, right, I've sold you this machine. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to check in on this guy now. Like it only has to be, it could be an hour once a month for the first year, which might sound a bit onerous to some people. But I just think that actually if you're spending that amount of money, that is not a big deal at all. You know, like that. And that's where it gets a little bit biased, too, especially
2: in like in your world, Jody. I mean, your whole shop is full of Akumas, except for a few other ones that you put in there. So it's been tried and true that Akuma machines are built to last and they're going yep. to run day in, day out. And it's yep. bulletproof. But the minute you start getting shitty service or these people aren't coming to take care of you and seeing what do you want to buy next, Jody? And then you start kind of venturing, reaching out and seeing what else is out there. And it's unfortunate because you might be bringing in, I'm not going to say totally a brand X, but something that's not as superior as it putting put it in mm-hmm. place because you may be getting more attention and you may be getting taken care of better, which I mean, that that's really a valuable fucking point right there. I mean, yeah,
1: I've always said just that, like it's not a hundred percent about the machine tool. Like, yes, that's a big component of it. But if like, if you're buying like the best machine tool on the market, but their service and support is shit like that could kind of screw you more than anything else. Because like, let's say your machine does go down because it is, it is inevitable that something is going to break at some point in time, or you're going to need help realigning something or whatever. Like if you're down and out and you're, you know, you're going to be down and out for a while because you can't get a part or you can't get service in like, you know, that's, that's wasted money. Like you're, you're losing money.
0: Yeah, I th- oh, like the service part though, I totally agree you know you, you definitely need the service but I'm talk- I'm sort of talking about something on top of that you know like the application side and I, I'm sure I bloody remember um, but I thought you had gone to like a, 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 a DMG applications thing for like a week with some CAD cam dudes and you were looking at <laughs> parts and stuff like was that or did I just dream that?
1: damn so, babies, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I'm a little conflicted about the whole like machine tool industry because I feel like generally it doesn't matter who you're buying a <laughs> machine from. They're, they're running a business and they kind of chew you up and spit you out so to speak. But I mean, if you've got a good salesperson, generally they'll take care of you or they'll make sure that you're getting taken care of. At least that's been my experience, but there have definitely been moments where I kind of feel like a number of or, kind of, feel yeah. like uh, they don't care about me because I'm not buying something. And that's kind of frustrating. But on the flip side, like they've also done some pretty good things for me. Um, like, for example, like uh, DMG, like when I bought um, the the monoblock, uh, they couldn't deliver it for like several months, which is pretty normal. But they let me come and do my project in their showroom. Ah, so that's
0: what like, it was. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So for like five weeks, I was in there at their showroom running these part programming and running these parts for my customer. Um, Wow. And that was like a huge help to me. Um, Yeah, that means something. Yeah, absolutely. So it was nice of them to do that for sure. Although I, I definitely think that if it means them selling a machine, they absolutely should do that. So I'm not saying that like I feel like entitled to that, but you want to sell machines you got to do whatever it takes just like if you want to machine parts for your customer you got to do whatever it takes
0: yeah yeah right well what about you um boomer what was what was Mazak like when they dropped the machine off for you
3: uh they were pretty cool and the like our sales guy he comes by probably every couple weeks wow um uh, and he comes out in the shop and asks how things are going and and there's been a, a few times where we've been like, you know, I'd like to talk to, you know, one of the apps guys about this or something. And he'll say, you know, yeah, I'll see what I can do. And then, like, I'll get a call from him the next day. Hey, you yeah. know, uh, Gary Gary wanted said you had a question or something. Or actually, one of them dropped by, like, last week. And he just came walking out in the shop. And I was like, oh, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm just dropping this off. and I, I don't know why, but it was a, a whole um, setup for the Integrex for Y-axis parting. And he just dropped the holder, the blade, the inserts, everything off. Pretty
1: um, sweet.
3: I, I, don't, I think it was he has a... Because I, I had talked to him about it before, and I think they're going to have like some sort of show coming up uh, at their new office, and I think I, I I called him and didn't get a hold of him, but I think he wants me to kind of try it out and like you know generate the code and everything, and then that way he can get his setup done quicker. Nice. He's, he's they I he's gonna get the machine, and then they're gonna have like I think a week to set it up, and then like a few days to get parts running on it before like their open house or whatever. So, mm. and it's, he's pretty it's... cool. Like. <clears throat> he'll help us out with stuff like that and we'll help him out. And then there's also, there's a few, there's a couple apps guys. There's one from uh, Southern California and there's one from the East coast on Instagram. And they've helped me out on a few things. Like when we got our, our, uh, I seven hundred five uh, five axis mill, it has that orbit turn function. And I, I posted a video of it, but this guy, he totally on the East coast, he totally helped me out with the whole thing. And, like, sent me a program and was like, here's here's what everything does. And then once you get it into the mode, it just programs like a lathe. You can even use can cycles and stuff. And then once you're done, here's all the codes that take it out of that mode and you're done. And, yeah. uh, I mean, that that's I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Because I know a so lot of it, those
3: times, I don't know if they're supposed to be, you know, helping me over fucking Instagram like that. Or if they're supposed to say, you know, oh, just call your your you know local apps guy or whatever, but um, they do, and it, it's, if, it's
1: they probably want you to go through like the proper channels. But I mean, it's cool that he's like just being a good dude and helping mm-hmm. you out like that.
3: And I've, yeah. I've
1: I've I've found that most of those guys, they're you know they
3: are really cool, um, and and they they will help you out, and if you're nice to them, and we we have a a couple of the service guys, they've really gone out of their way to do stuff for us, you know, and yeah, and and it, I mean, I, I've had nothing but a good experience with them. But I, I've seen at the other shop, we had a, a, a couple different machines and it was like you, you bought the machine and then they ghosted you. Yeah, and, yeah. Right. And yeah. I don't know if they they knew they or if they thought they just got lucky and that you you were never going to buy another one from them again. So they didn't really want to maintain that relationship. But um, but then, you know, like I'm I'm kind of like Bert. I'm always skeptical of them. And, you know, they'll come in and they'll tell you how good this machine is and and how popular it is, and how badly they want to get into your shop. And then they show you a quote. And you're kind of like, well, I think I'm just going to stick with what I have. And, you know, they say, oh, well, why, why? And it's two completely comparable machines. And you got to tell them, you know, there's there's 85,000 reasons why, bud, you know? Mm. Yeah,
0: been in that boat.
1: I mean, but- actually, after hearing you say that, like, I feel like I kind of gave a little bit of a negative response. But um, I generally, I've had a pretty good experience. But I've definitely had the, the chew you up and spit you out experience like we just want to sell you a machine. Uh, But on the whole, like Mm -hmm. I find that the apps guys are always the coolest and they're always the most willing to help out. And and from almost all of the major builders, I've gotten pretty solid help on that. If you make phone calls and you keep bugging people and go through like the right channels, you can generally, especially if you're nice about it, you can generally get like the answers you're looking for.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's true. You know, you guys saw what I was going through last week last week with uh, the LNS bar feeders and all that bullshit and ordering yep. motors and stuff. So I had to, I mean, you have to pay those guys. So if I want an LNS guy to leave Seattle and he's done with his job and he's going to drive down to Ukiah, you're paying him freaking 95 bucks an hour to drive from Seattle down to your shop. And then once he gets in your shop, you're paying him 130 bucks an hour to help you fix your machine and then he leaves. And, and, you know, you have to sign that paperwork before he will even show up. Well, I had two of them down, so I had to do that. But this is the first time I met this dude, and he showed up, and he got here late. But I stayed with him until, like, 8, 8.30. And uh, he got one of my machines going, and it was super sweet. But then he left. The other one he couldn't get going because the power supply was down. So he'll really like, Hank, change the power supply off the <laughs> <Yeah>. next day. <laughs> but then the motor still needed to be changed. So I was kind of like, well, here we go. So he gave me his card and he was cool when he was here and i was cool with him and this guy talked me through a whole bunch of shit and then even though he was at the airport getting ready to fly back to la he answered every one of my fucking phone calls and he saw, you need to do this you need to do that flip this flip that yes you can splice it blah 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 and it was like i mean if he was here doing all that shit i'd be paying 130 bucks an hour but it's exactly like what you were saying albert you keep calling you treat these people with respect you, yeah. you know, you, you have a mutual relationship and you can get a mm-hmm. lot of things moving along well, plus, for no charge. Plus,
1: too, like if, if it's something that you can do over the phone like Hilbert Hank did, I mean, it's saving them time and money, too, because I'm yeah. sure that they've got like gazillion other things going on. And if it's something simple like, you know, maybe swapping out a servo motor, or switching some wires or diagnosing like a simple problem, like generally, I'll always try to dive into it first.
0: Before I make a phone call. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like,
1: like
0: uh, I don't know. Maybe I've I've sort of led us down a bit of a path, but I I guess the the service and the the, the service side of things. I, I'm not sort of complaining about that. It's it's just the other bit, you know, the bit that's. I'm not talking about like you know fixing the machine. It's really about getting the most out of your machine like that side of thing and and you talk about those apps guys but there's probably what a handful of apps guys for each company and they all they're servicing the entire country or the bloody world or whatever it is you know like it's i feel like that bit is the bit that's lacking like the whether that's because the company don't pass on knowledge very well to their some of their service support guys or or what but I don't know, like you, you, you build up relationships with your uh, tool end guys that come in and they are there to try and help you, you know, do better at what you're doing. And I think, well, why don't you have the same for your machine tool? You know, there'll be certain times that these guys must see it and go, well, actually, I can see that you're using this particular function, but maybe you should do this because it'll be way easier. Or, you know what I mean? Like just the little tricks that you don't know until you know.
3: Yeah, I see what you're saying. But I think a lot of it is. I mean, as, as much as tooling changes, and I mean, ma- the machines and the, and the functions and everything, that, that changes too, but I don't think at the same pace as tooling. Like, tooling, uh, there's always something new.
0: No, I just, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I just figured, you know, if when someone who's selling you a machine is, understands your business, they might be able to also understand how... They can help you do better as well. You know what I mean, like and and yeah. that side, I just think is it could be better in my in my humble opinion. Well, maybe one of them will listen, and then they'll to this, and then they'll uh, they'll start going down that
3: path. But I definitely get what you're saying. I mean, you're making you know a pretty hefty investment with this company for something that you know you're going to have for a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of episode 10. Thank you again for deciding to download this podcast. Until next time. Bye.